Hello and welcome to She's Creative with me, Claire Hodgson. Each episode, I chat to a different woman or non-binary person who works in the media or publishing industries, discovering how they turned creativity into a career. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would love it if you could rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps boost us in the charts. If you would like to support the podcast, you can buy me a coffee on coffee.com slash she's creative pod. That's ko fi.com slash she's creative pod. My guest on this episode is DJ and presenter Henry Cushaway. Henry hosts the weekend early breakfast show on Kiss FM and co-hosts the Spotify Studios podcast, Who We Be Talks. She also works with No Signal Radio and is a Dazed 100 winner of 2020. Welcome, Henry. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. Great. Um, just to start things off, where did you grow up and what did your parents do for a living? Um, I grew up born and raised in South London um, on the Old Kent Road. My mum is a solicitor and my dad was at the time a budding business owner. And when did you know that you wanted to be a presenter? Um, I knew I wanted to be a presenter maybe, um, I don't know, maybe in like sixth form probably but I didn't know specifically, I guess, that that's what I wanted to do. I always thought like I wanted to be like maybe in the news, some kind of journalism, but I took the whole idea of presenting properly after I graduated. Mm-hmm. And you you started presenting when you were 14, is that right, on Represent Radio? Um, I did work experience for them yeah. when I was 14. And I, um, yeah, I did like some things with my voice. I don't know if I'd call it presenting properly though, because I didn't feel like it at the time. It just felt like, yeah, it just felt like I was doing stuff um, as part of like a bigger project. Like when I was 14, the first person that I interviewed was Akala, who is Miss Dynamite's sister. And um, I guess if you don't know about him, he does a lot of like social um justice work I don't know if that's the, really the best way to do it but he's a really great intellectual mind um and he talks about all things that are um socially relative to black people to classism literally covers a, a big span of thing, but things but at the time he was an artist performing on a stage and I was very starstruck can you tell me a bit about represent radio and how you got involved after that um, sure. So Represent Radio is a community station um, based in South London, always has been. It was in Peckham at first and then um, a lot later on it moved to Brixton. And um, yeah, it's just a place where like a lot of people have come through the ranks um, as presenters and gone on to bigger stations. So it definitely hones in on um, growing homegrown talent. And um, yeah, it's just a great place to be for body music, no matter the genre, as long as it's appealing to young people. And um, yeah, I did work experience for them when I was like 14 years old and um, kind of just kept in contact with a lot of the people that were there because they were all cool. A lot of them came from the area that I was from. So um, after I graduated, I definitely begged for a show and um, I got one after, yeah, after I graduated. And um, yeah, man, it was like basically the starting point of me taking my um, dream of being a presenter like seriously. And you did broadcast journalism at Leeds. Were you, when you did that course, were you thinking you wanted to go down the traditional journalism route? Yes. So when I studied broadcast journalism at Leeds, I thought I was going to be working in 
um, news or entertainment in some capacity. Um, I had already worked by that time, like maybe second year of uni, I'd already like worked in some like newsrooms and stuff and see how it all, seen how it all like developed. And I'd already made some of my own kind of like new stories for my um, course at uni. But then I think I realized um, towards the end of the, the third year of uni that I don't want to be a journalist because um, maybe it was something to do with me being in Leeds, but I'm also not sure either where like it just didn't reflect me at all like being in the meetings I would be the only one that looks like me that sounds like me um the news actually didn't reflect what I wanted to speak about and I didn't even really get a chance to do much entertainment news because I think I was just like done with the idea of news once I came back to London but I can say that the, the course was great because it taught me a lot of um vocational skills mm-hmm. so how to the camera how to edit like all sorts so for for that like definitely incredible but I think I realized um that I wouldn't suit the news not because of anything to do with me but just because of unfortunately I guess like the kind of world that we live in where I'm black at the time had silver hair piercings tattoos I had like a septum piercing as well do I really see myself anchoring the six o'clock news no so yeah do you think that the degree helped you get to where you are in the media at all um for sure like when um I was uh filming for is your area changing which is a three-part docu mm-hmm. docu-series that I did about gentrification a lot of the skills I guess that I'd learned on um, my course um definitely helped me um with that and like copywriting and stuff not that I can copyright properly but like just things like that coming up with a new story and yeah being able to edit things by myself not having to go to someone to edit something for me a lot of that came from um the skills that I'd learned on the course and in 2015 you did work placement at the BBC what was that like and do you have any tips for young people on how they can secure a placement like that for sure so I did an internship with um BBC Radio One and One Extra Um, it was a great time I learned so much Um, I again that kind of spurred me on to wanting to um, be a presenter even more because I was seeing the people that I listened to on radio in real life and doing it and that was just incredible like walking past um, like one of the studios and seeing Mr Jam or Cyan Anderson or Yasmin Evans or Trevor Nelson who I was working with a lot whilst I was there incredible stuff so um I think a tip for anyone who wants to be able to do it is you don't actually have to, I know I studied broadcast journalism, but you don't have to um, have studied a media-based, a media-based degree for you to be able to get into it at all. Like you can study anything. You just have to show your passion for music, your passion for radio, and probably have some like, it it would be good to have some media or radio experience outside of it. So just like look for work experience elsewhere. And a lot of the skills are transferable. Mm-hmm. yeah that's great do you think that your love for music has helped helped you get to where you are um yeah I think for sure um because I love UK music specifically um it's kind of helped me build um a space in where yeah in the um industry that I work in I guess because I love it so much and therefore it's a different excitement speaking to the um, artists that I love listening to on a day-to-day basis anyway. And um, 
yeah, obviously the love for music always helps when you want to work in the music industry, even if it's music industry adjacent, because you always kind of know what you're talking about. And you were saying after you after you left uni, you had your own show and represent radio. Um, what what was that like? Um, so I started off um, with a 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. show every Friday um, on Represent Radio, which is kind of like mid-morning and a really good show, I guess, to like start off on because um, there's not too much pressure to do drive time and there's not that much pressure to do like the morning, morning show. Um, So um, yeah, good show to start off with. I was super nervous in my first couple of shows. Actually, tell a lie, even like two months in, I was still really nervous, still making mistakes. I still do to this day, like um, everyone's human and, yeah like it taught me a lot about the kind of presenter I wanted to be the kind of show that I wanted to have the kind of music that I wanted to play um as well and that kind of built up into me eventually having a drive time show represent so honestly incredible like it it was it was a great start to my radio career and is that how you you learned how to you know use all the software and the equipment is it similar to what you use now um, so yeah, it's actually pretty similar. Like I've um, seen like a lot of the playout systems in a lot of the major broadcasters, and um, yeah, the system that we use at Represent, um, it's not exactly the same, but you can again, everything is transferable, so it kind of mirrors what we have at Represent um, in a way. So um, absolutely, it definitely did help. Do you have any advice for young people that want to get involved with community radio or student radio? Um, yeah oh my gosh so if you want to ever do um community radio or student radio because i did um lead student radio whilst i was there don't ever hesitate just like throw yourself i guess into it and community radio and student radio is sometimes like the best places to start out with student radio they've got like their own like separate awards that you can get into like it's its own world it's crazy and then um with community radio as well i think it's a great um platform uh, to be able to start off on if you're kind of like worried, I guess, um, about like where you see yourself in a kind of presenter that you want to be. It's a great place to start off to be able to nurture your skills and your talent. That's amazing. Yeah. And you, you've also done work as a voiceover artist for GD Sports. How did that gig come about and what is it like? Um, so that's so right. I still do um, voiceovers to this day, but I like get mm. into that after I answer this, but that was so random. So like I was, I don't think I'd even had my drive time slot by this point. I don't think, although I can't really remember. So, um, but it was definitely very early on into my radio career. And somebody emailed me like, oh my gosh, yeah, we heard you represent radio. We think you've got an incredible voice. Would you like to do so and so and so? I was like, wow, like I never thought I'd be able, like be getting so many opportunities. Like, it's the first time anything like that had ever, ever happened to me before. And I was so nervous even doing the voiceovers. But then that kind of um, catapulted me into doing the voiceovers that I do now. So I actually do like full on voiceovers, um, usually for radio or for Spotify or for streaming platforms, sorry, or for um, TV. And I do that for for music. So for the again, for the kind of music that I like. Um, so, yeah, starting off, everyone's like, oh, yeah, did you find an agent? No, nah, like somebody just reached out to me and yeah like really blessed for that to have happened was it like were you in a recording studio and like had a script and that kind of thing so they definitely gave me a script but I recorded it all from represent like the studio um mm. there so pretty again like um nice and easy I think they just wanted to hear what my voice 
um, would sound like at the time. And um, yeah, like it was just easy just to do it from there. So I did. And um, But now I definitely have like a recording studio that um, gets booked out for me to go to to record voiceovers. And is that for things like adverts? Yeah, so it's adverts for new music, new albums, um, yeah, new songs to basically just promo them. So yeah, you can find that on this platform or this is their number one single or so forth, so on and so forth. Do you think that gig kind of helped get the ball rolling for you to get other things? Um, I don't think so, you know, like my voiceover stuff is just like the cool thing that I do on the side. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, say that, oh yeah, like I did um, a voiceover for Drake, um, Party Next Door and Wizkid like this. Well, actually it's not Party Next Door, it's Popcorn, yeah. Like their song or for um, D-Block Europe or for Dave or for Fredo, like, all of that is just pretty cool, but I don't really like put that out there as much as I do. All my other work is just like my little thing on the side that I really do like doing. At what point, when did you get your first um, paid radio gig? My first paid radio gig has to have been, I think, when I um, covered the Christmas shows for Radio One. That was ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> just in terms of like, the magnitude of the job and my first time ever doing national radio on any kind of scale and it being radio one that has to be my first ever proper um I guess oh yeah this is me doing radio however before that though I have I do have to say that on represent radio um they do collaborations with um brands quite a lot so um I guess for that I would get paid to do radio shows for them as well so for example like we've worked with Adidas we've worked with all sorts of brands and um to collate a radio show for them and I guess put that out that would also be paid yeah that radio one gig must have been amazing how did that come about for you um I just applied um Mm -hmm. they put out um a um I guess a call out on the internet for people that wanted to um present their radio shows over Christmas and into the new year and I don't know I just applied and then um, sent in a demo and I got it and I, I think I cried that day yeah it must have been amazing what was the shift like um, it was nerve-wracking it yeah. was so nerve-wracking because like I don't know I really do like things where you just get like um, you're, you're almost not like babied into it like you're, you're just put on there I did have obviously a couple of like trial shows and everything else but like when it came to it, it was like, yep, you're doing a show. And I'm like, yep, ah, I'm doing a show. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like I kind of like push myself into it as well. Like it, you'll never know how you're going to do unless you just go out and bloody do it. Right. So um, really nerve wracking covering the show that would have been Greg James's um, show. And um, but it was really fun. Like I was definitely nervous. Don't get me wrong. But again I really like the idea of making myself feel uncomfortable for the greater good like Mm -hmm. at the end the show did get done and I enjoyed myself so yeah. Had you kind of planned out things you were going to say in between songs? Um, Yeah I did try to plan out some things but with some of them you can't plan because you have like some people to give like shout outs to and all the rest of it and um yeah like the world of radio sometimes is a bit mind-boggling because you have like there's so many different ways you could say so many different things and it's like almost finding the perfect way to say it but even saying that now I feel like the perfect way to say it would be how you would naturally say it anyway so yeah Mm -hmm. and is it all completely live everything was live yeah (laughs) Um, when was that that you, you did that 
um, I think it was December 2018. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was December 2018 that I did that. Do you have any tips for people applying to something like that? Um, when you're doing a demo, just be yourself. Like, of course, you have to cater to Radio 1's audience and I guess what they would listen to and everything else. But don't change up who you are just for the demo because they, they want to hear you. They don't want to hear someone who's pretending to be a presenter on Radio 1. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And earlier when we were talking about, you know, learning to use the equipment and stuff, is that quite a steep learning curve? Like, is it quite is it quite difficult to learn all the different, you know, buttons and things? It can, it, like, depending on the playout system, it definitely can be. Like, some places that, like, that I've been to, their playout systems are so techy, like, oh, you have to, like, put all your thought into, like, queuing up the next song. Whereas some people's playout system, it just, like, plays out for you. Like, everything is just, like, you don't have to actually input anything. It, it's, all like, automatically played. So, um, yeah, some are easier than others. But then, once again, once you understand, like, one playout system, you can actually just get your head around the rest of them. And has that led to any kind of um other dj work um um i don't know i've almost like compartmentalized like my whole life so like me being on radio it definitely does um, help i guess but um i was djing a lot when i was at represent anyway so people would just see the dj gigs i guess um and then book me for other things again i guess because i don't know but um yeah, like I'm I'm sure they all like work together to be able to meet mm-hmm. gigs, but I, I always see it as maybe someone's just seen me DJ before, maybe someone's seen me post a video and then book me for something else. Have you got any tips for people that want to get more involved in DJ stuff? Oh my gosh. Um DJ. So I when I started to DJ, somebody taught me how to DJ. So you need, you're going to maybe probably need help um, because you have to understand the software. You have to understand what kind of system you want to use to play out, whether it's Rekordbox, whether it's Serato, whether you want to take your, um, take your um, decks with you, your controllers with you everywhere, or whether you want to learn on straight on CDJ. I learned on vinyl, like it's, it's so vast. So I think the, the number one piece of thing, like advice I would say is just do your research first. And then I guess like delve into it, ask as many questions to as many DJs as possible, because I definitely did. And use all of that to inform your decision as to what kind of, again, DJ you want to be. Have you found that the DJ space is quite male dominated? Um, Definitely. But I think that there's there's a lot of like um, women um, that are definitely doing their thing and doing an incredible job as well. So even though there are a lot of men, I think that, yeah, like when you do see women, like women do it to a super high standard as well. I've noticed like when you get like a woman who's a DJ, like her followers are always up, like she's in the scene doing her thing. like, And that's what I honestly love to see. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, you're also one of the hosts of Spotify's Who We Be podcast. Can you tell me a bit about that and how that came to be? Yeah, sure. So Who Be Talks is a podcast that's basically the sister podcast to the Who Be playlist on Spotify. And um, basically it's a podcast about everything black. Um, like there's no other way to put it, like black affairs, black music, black everything. And it's for black people made by black people. So it's hosted by Harry Pinero and I. 
and um that came about uh because i don't know i think they'd come to like their third season of who we be talks and um they were just looking for new presenters and i know that they were looking at a couple of people and then they ended up picking me and harry to co-present the show and yeah man it's been great ever since amazing and what is that kind of what's the process like um so we have like meetings where we talk about which guests we want to get in and who we think would be good on the show that's presenters and producers alike and then um i guess the producers go out and try to like um see if those um contributors or guests would be available and then we talk about we basically plan the show like what they would want to talk about what's happening um in the news what's happening in the world um in and amongst like black people i guess and then um yeah they come on the show and then we do the show we just have a lot of like fun and a lot of laughs yeah that's great do you record that um in a studio or is it home-based at the moment yeah so um it was home-based for a couple of weeks um due to the um severity of corona but um to to date we have been doing it in the studio but the guest would come on via live link great yeah got you um we we spoke earlier about your docuseries is your area changing uh, where you explore different areas of London and gentrification. Um, why was that project so important to you? Um, I wasn't expecting it to even be as big as um, it was. So it's so funny when I get asked that question because I wasn't even expecting expecting it to do anything. But God is good that it obviously did and it made an impact. But um, at the time, I think I'd, all I wanted to do at the time was just document what I was seeing. So I graduated from uni and I'd seen literally um, my area change especially like Peckham and Brixton. And um, I was like, Ron, no one's actually really talking about this. And on top of that, no one's talking about, they'll probably talk about gentrification, but they won't talk about how maybe the locals feel about it, or even those that are coming to the area and what they actually find so great about the area in the first place. So I just thought it would like, yeah, be interesting to do. I didn't see it as like a, um, I guess when I started, I didn't see it as, oh yeah, this is going to be something that's going to like cause change or even like, um, ignite conversation really I just wanted to do it because I thought it'd be interesting but the fact that it did shows that obviously people are interested in it and people see exactly what I'm seeing as well Mm -hmm. and then that led to you winning the dazed 100 funds is that right yes um yes yes I think so yes (laughs) was that your (laughs) your entry kind of thing um I I, you didn't have to enter so I I think it probably was off the back of that to be fair so um, yeah, Days approached me and said that I'd been shortlisted for the Days 100, um, um, I guess, prize. And like, it was crazy to me at the time. Again, like I wasn't expecting anything to come off the back of anything, but they said that, um, yeah, like I'd been shortlisted for the Days 100, I'm guessing because of the work that I'd done in my community and is your area changing is a community-based project. So um yeah and won it so only winner won it and um they gave us um so it was more than one winner and they gave us um money to go out and do our own projects which we're still working on at the moment mm-hmm. yeah so you're working on your short film series untold stories and um, is there anything you can tell me about that absolutely so um uh, untold stories again it's just another idea that i just had probably like laying in my bed or something thinking oh it'd be cool to do to, to do this and um, I think that um, a lot of the time, a lot of the um, 
content that is released not all the time to be fair because people some people do just have fun and I really love that and I want to be one of the people that just has a really cool idea and puts it out there not everything has to be like socially driven um to, but to be fair one of the um subjects is socially driven but that's literally the only one all of untold stories is basically like a um a series of t um subject headings and people coming in and telling their stories about it literally plain and simple however one of the subject headings is being black in education which is obviously socially driven due to the name but I think it's more about the experience as opposed to oh my gosh this is what we're going through we need change although if that is um, a byproduct of it then incredible do you know what I mean because we do need change but <laughs> um, every other subject we've got like relationships we've got football we've got um, being black in education we've got party holidays um, we've got parenthood, like um, just all sorts of subject titles which are broad and therefore should be able to bring in a really big audience, but just people telling, I guess, their stories that people might not have heard of before. And do you think that the fund has really helped you bring that to life? Um, it definitely has. Like the, the whole idea of the project for me, like the whole social aspect, I mean, because I did say that I didn't want the project itself to be social, but the um, idea behind it definitely does have a social push to it because the money that was given meant that I was able to employ people who um, this might have been their first time working in media or they really want to do this and they have some incredible content, but just haven't been able to, I guess, get their work off the ground or they just don't have the means to be able to work for free. So it allowed me to pay all of those people and that was incredible. Do you have any advice for people that are creating their own kind of content on the likes of youtube or whatever um i think just do just do things that matter to you even if they don't you won't think that they matter to anybody else like content that matters to you and it doesn't even have to be like you're that important even if it's something super silly just go out and do it like no idea is too much no idea is too small and you joined kiss fm as the early morning weekend presenter in december which is amazing you must have been so pleased when you got that gig. How did it feel? Um, in, like the fact that I was even approached by Kiss FM was just mind boggling to me. But God is just so great. Like it, I could almost cry right now, but I won't. Um, <laughs> like it's definitely, it was huge. Um, the fact that they wanted me on their roster and Kiss is one of the biggest like broadcasters in the UK. Um, yeah the fact that they wanted me on their early morning my voice like I remember I always say this but I remember having a conversation I can't remember who it was with now but it was with someone someone that probably worked in radio and worked as part of like the major broadcasters like um so not even like the um, you know like how a lot of broadcasters have the um ones where they play like the ethnic music so like the black music or do you know what I mean like it wasn't even like they were part of like a major major broadcaster and I was like oh my gosh like there's no reason as to why a voice like mine from someone like me who lives in an area like I do isn't on a national broadcaster like doing what all everybody else is doing knowing the demographic that not only they play to but the demographic that is the most seen I guess mm -hmm. on those stations there's no real reason for someone like me to not to not be on there and voila like here I bloody am like doing kiss FM that to me blows my mind every single time um and a big shout out to the family at Kiss FM as well for thinking of me as someone who can reach their demographic because it's not something that you see a lot but here they are out here doing it 
I recently read um, a piece in Vice as well that you were quoted in, uh, which is all about how young Black British women are flourishing on UK radio. Is that something that you've seen in the last couple of years? Oh, for sure. It's something that I've been seeing from when I was younger, to be fair, from even the Choice FM days, which is what, um, yeah, from the Choice FM days, like I, the first time I listened to radio, it was a black woman on radio. And so it's definitely been bubbling. And I think that there's even more space for them to be on even bigger platforms, because why not? Like, what's the reason? What's the reason why not? Nobody has an answer. So there's no reason as to why they shouldn't even be on bigger platforms. Do you think that the the media in general has become more diverse recently? Um, yeah, I would, I would definitely say so. I think there's still definitely more of a way to go because yeah. uh, I think um, Black people and other people of colour definitely still face a lot of um, marginalising and it's due to things that aren't even things that they can change. I can't change my skin colour, unfortunately. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing I can do about it. So like for the fact that it's due to um, matters that are beyond their control is insane to me. But um, it, it's definitely moved forward. I can't say it hasn't, but there's still a hell of a lot uh, of way to go. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what has your time at KISS been like so far? Um, it's been great. Like the only thing is we've been recording from home. Yeah. Uh, obviously, no, like you can't really change that because of the time that we're in. So for me, I just can't wait to get into the studio and and do something fun in the studio. Yeah, absolutely. What's it been like recording from home? Uh, recording from home is still fun. Like I've got my producer as well. Big shout out to Jess. A shout out to Rachel as well. Shout out to Rebecca. Everybody at Kiss is great. Um, so they're still with me every single time that I uh, record my producer, Jess. So it does kind of feel like you're in the studio, but I think it's really good practice time for when it's time to actually like go out and do it live, I guess. Mm-hmm. what's what's an average day like for you oh my gosh I could be doing like a hundred different random things um so there I've got set days in which I do Spotify and Kiss FM but everything else in the middle of the week um is just up to what I've decided to say yes to so like this last week for example I was filming something for like a tv like cooking show um I um did kiss I did Spotify what else did I, I was writing something for like a possible I was writing like an essay for like a, a book thing that I might be doing like honestly it could be random anything could happen at any time so uh, yeah it like every day kind of differs as um unless it's the days that I do radio or my podcast mm-hmm. and when the days when you're doing kiss what's your kind of what's your routine like um, so um, so maybe like a couple of days before I would have spoken to my producer about what I what we want to talk about on the show maybe new music that's coming up in the show like what I'm expecting etc etc and then the day that we record um, I wake up at the same time every Friday and um, we record both shows and um, yeah she kind of just guides me through the whole thing like she's a great producer absolutely love Jess so um yeah that's pretty much what the day looks like and we just take a couple of hours just to record the shows yeah that's amazing what kind of what kind of stuff do you normally chat about on the show oh we spoke about everything and anything so usually it's what's like popular at the moment um I've spoken about my new kitten who I'm looking at at the moment he's so cute (laughs) um we've spoken about what's happening in my life what's happening across the station um obviously some music knowledge in there as well 
yeah that's amazing um do you ever do you ever get nervous when you're going on um no because I'm at home but I do feel like probably when I get into the studio it's going to be a completely different feeling and um yeah it's going to be probably take some adjusting is there in, in terms of presenting is there any kind of general advice you would give to young women um I think that you should hone in on what makes you you do you know what I mean like if you're loud if you're rude if you're shy if you're nervous if you're whatever makes you you and every everybody else kind of notices about you and you want to be a presenter that's literally your unique selling point because that nobody else has that specific thing that makes you you so yeah do you have any advice for people that might be coming in and work experience or something like that um for for where for radio for tv yeah for radio um uh, I don't know I think obviously nowadays the competition's a lot higher than when I started to look for work experience at radio like everybody wants to do something media related which is really cool and I think my the best piece of advice is just to not be put off by that because if you're the best suit for that job or for that work experience gig you're definitely going to get it so and also don't give up on the dream either like even if you don't get work experience you can train yourself in things as well you can train yourself how to edit and those are things that people definitely look for because what employer wouldn't love initiative do you know what I mean coming from one of their work staff that's great and just to finish things off um what general advice would you give for women who want to work in radio um the general advice I think I would give for women who want to work in radio is I guess just don't be put off by how daunting it is. Don't let anybody say anything about your age because, I mean, you might be too young if you're like 16, but you're never too old, which is what people used to try to tell me when I was starting at 23. They were like, oh yeah, you're not getting any younger. I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) I was like, what? But then like, you see how life can turn around so quickly. Like things can turn around for you in a a matter of seconds, no matter if you want to be a producer or if you want to be a presenter. So don't let anything put you off. Like if you've got an idea definitely and you want to put your mind to it do it do you know what I mean there's nothing that can really ever ever stop you and if you are actually quite young if you are 16 years old give yourself some time um because <laughs> uh, I definitely graduated um definitely went to uni did all of that and so don't don't rush anything like everything is definitely a process if you pray then pray because that that's definitely what kind of what helped me a lot during my time and in coming into radio and even just in the media industry in general That was presenter and DJ Henry Cushaway. I'll be back with another episode in two weeks. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your podcast app of choice and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to support the podcast, you can give a small donation on coffee at ko-fi.com slash she's creative pod. You can find the podcast on social media at she's creative pod and I'm on social media at underscore Claire Hutch. See you next time.